It be too late to alter course, matey. And there be plundering pirates lurking in every cove. And mark well me words, matey. Dead men tell no tales. <laughs> the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute, a daily podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films <laughs> one blimey minute at a time. I'm Scott Artis from scottartis.com. And I'm Heather Artis from blackpearlminute.com. Thanks for joining us for Minute 107 of The Curse of the Black Pearl. Today, we are joined by a couple of special guests who are also familiar with gold and curses. And they managed to make their way to our show all the way from Mount Doom, Cassandra and Norman from Lord of the Rings Minute. Hi. Welcome, guys, Hi. and thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for inviting us. Yeah. I'm excited. I love this movie. <laughs> Excellent. That's always good to hear. It's a good thing to start off with. Otherwise, we'd be like, it'd be like the wah, 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 if you said you didn't like it. So that's always good. Oh, no, good. I, I love this movie so much, but I'm excited to talk about it. Tell us about Lord of the Rings Minute, what you guys are doing. Well, as of this recording, I'm not quite sure when you're going to air this one, but as of this recording, we have officially recorded nearly all of the actual movie, we're, uh, uh, Fellowship of the Ring. We're so. about 30 seconds shy of finishing it. Yeah. That so. is incredible. And you guys yeah. are not are actually plugging away on the extended edition, too. This is yes. no, like, small theatrical feat here. Yeah. <laughs> not that the theatrical cut of Lord of the Rings is small by any stretch of the imagination, but, yeah, we're doing the extended. Yeah, the, uh, the, last, the last moments of the movie wrap up in minute 201. Yeah. Wow. wow that's incredible. Yeah. Thank I can't you. even imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what made you jump into Lord of the Rings, then? I really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a lot of things. Really, it came down to Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter for us. And like he is more familiar with Lord of the Rings. And I'm generally more familiar with Lord of the Rings movies. So we picked Lord of the Rings. Um, and Harry Potter is in good hands, too. So It's funny because that was one that we were mulling over as well. Oh, funny. Because Heather is a... <laughs> Yeah, it, it really is. Heather is is a big Harry Potter fan and mm-hmm. had actually read all the books. I'm more of a fan of the movies, but Heather had all the book knowledge and mm-hmm. had gone through all that. And when I was really starting to try and convince her, hey, we should try and do a movies by minute format and a podcast, that's the one I was starting to kind of gravitate towards because she had some extra knowledge on that. And we actually ended up with the domain name and then yeah. we just sat on it for months and actually <laughs> for a long, long time. And I finally go, oh, you know what? I wonder if we should maybe start to think about that again. And then it was already rolling. And I That's thought, funny. well, good. I'm so glad that somebody picked it up. And they've been doing a great job with that. I guess Harry Potter is kind of a link between all of us then. Yeah. So, so did you realize actually when you started to do Lord of the Rings that probably no one else's sight of Mordor would actually have the stamina to tackle the extended edition? Is that really what's behind <laughs> the scene with you guys? You guys are um, like, nobody else can actually do this but us. Well, I mean, it's... I don't know if nobody else could. I just, like, nobody else had yet. Yeah. So we kind of just, like, jumped on it. And, and I can't imagine tackling it and not doing the extended yeah. edition, honestly. Yeah. yeah. I feel like it would be doing a disservice to the, the material. Yeah, because, you know, people would be like, well, what about the extended scene? So we'd end up covering it anyway. So 
you might as well just start off with the extended. Yeah. Or your other option is that you were actually releasing 10 episodes per week and you're doing a theatrical simultaneously with the extended edition. Because you guys have no free time. <laughs> that is madness. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like to pretend folly. I have a life outside podcasting. So <laughs> That's, well, We've definitely discovered that. <laughs> So since you're joining us from Lord of the Rings Minute, I definitely have to tell you this quick story about the very first time we watched Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah. And so this was actually Heather's first time being introduced to the entire story, like The Hobbit or Lord of the Rings, anything about it. She was really going in fresh and had no idea about any of it. And when we got into the movie, she really got into the, say, plight and adventure of Frodo and Samwise. And when the fellowship actually ended, when the movie ended, she blurted out so loudly in the theater, what? That's it? She was just so freaking irritated that this whole story didn't wrap up in this one movie. And she was like, what is going on with this? And everybody turned to look at her. And I joked that that's like the the first end credit scene ever because she created that. But and then I, she really even got more irritated when I told her, yeah, they're going to have to do a sequel. And not only that, there's actually two more coming. And That's she's so like, funny. I got to wait years <laughs> to the finale of this. And yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. That's like yeah. my only memory of the film first going to see it. <laughs> Is that like erased everything else that I really loved about it? Because I was so focused on her reaction at the end. It just made me laugh. I have a, I have a, very, I have a very similar story. Uh-huh. About that Godzilla movie that came out a few years ago with with Cassandra, who had never really seen a Godzilla movie before. And the first time Godzilla breathes the atomic fire, she did like the same thing in the theater. She just she was getting she was on the edge of her seat and getting a little close, like looking like she's getting a little closer to the screen that the screen and then just blurts out what everyone in the theater to hear as, as soon as he breathed fire for the first time. Which I will never forget. That, <laughs> that movie will always include that moment for me. I'm glad to have contributed to your appreciation of art. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm actually a Godzilla fan. I have been ever since I was a little kid. So yeah. that's just now I'm going to remember that story all the time. I'll, I'll have to retell it. <laughs> well, getting back to Pirates, and you said that you're a fan of Pirates of the Caribbean. So what is your like general impressions of Curse of the Black Pearl? I regrettably, I guess I'll go first. Um, I regrettably didn't see this movie in theaters, and we actually, my family and I watched it back when Blockbuster was still still a thing. We um, <laughs> we like rented the the VHS from, or like I don't know, we, I don't remember if it was a DVD or not. We rented the movie from Blockbuster, and at this point, I had yet to actually see Lord of the Rings. Because um, I watched Lord of the Rings. My dad made me read the books first before I was allowed to see the movies. This movie is actually, like, my first exposure to Orlando Bloom. And I was, like, 13 at the time. So I had, like, a huge crush on on Will Turner. And then I was like, wait, he's in those Lord of the Rings movies? Well, now I need to read the books and watch those. <laughs> and he's blonde. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, Pirates, was, in a funny way, was actually, like, my gateway into Lord of the Rings. As it stands, like, I love this movie. I, I adore pretty much everything about this movie. Um, and I definitely saw the second and third, like, at least four times in theaters each. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, so I'm, like, I'm like big on the, the, the original Pirates trilogy. I haven't seen the fourth one or the fifth one yet. 
but I really like these three movies in particular. Well, we won't hold that against you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I also regrettably didn't see this one in theaters. I did see the second and third one in theaters, though. Uh, Only once each, I'm pretty sure. This is my favorite of the original three. Mm -hmm. Although I really, really like a lot of aspects about both the second and the third one. There are things about them that just kind of veer off for me. I really like this one, though. Yeah. This, this for me, is like the iconic pirate movie. Mm-hmm. And I, when I think of pirates, the first thing I hear in my head is the main theme for this movie. Yeah. So cool. that's just kind of where I go. And I really, really liked this movie when I first saw it. And the scene that initially drew me in and got me to stay interested in this movie the whole way through when I first saw it is when Jack and Will first meet. Mm-hmm. That sword oh. fight in the the blacksmith shop yeah. mm-hmm. had me invested in this movie from there to the very end. Mm-hmm. So this this movie really did its job for me. Mm-hmm. And we recently rewatched this movie for our weekend edition podcast because we were talking about Orlando Bloom movies, and I hadn't seen it in a while. Yeah. And I I think I love it just as much now as I did the first time I saw it. Yeah, when we rewatched it, I was surprised at how many lines I still remembered because it had been <laughs> at least six years since I'd seen this last. Uh, and my favorite part of the movie oh, wow. is Barbosa. Yeah. Jeffrey Rush is the best part of this movie. <laughs> He's the best part of this whole trilogy. Yeah. For me. I agree. Yeah, we've said a number of times how his, his eyes and his mouth and just his facial expressions are like an all separate actors amongst themselves, all in this mm-hmm. one character, which is pretty crazy. And yeah, he's probably perhaps my favorite character yeah. of, of the the series. I just always want to know more about Bar- Barbosa, but we just never get more. <laughs> well, go see the new movie, and then yeah. you can let us know what you think. But oh, yeah, okay, that Thanks. was a, a teaser for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, are we ready to just jump into this minute and get things rolling? Yeah, yeah. In the previous minute, Captain Jack Sparrow realized the benefits of a captain cursed crew audience and took the time to premiere his new Vegas-style magic act. A show that kicked off with a top-of-the-line escape artist extravaganza and ended with the uncanniest ability to recognize the obvious. He and Will are men, and Elizabeth is, in fact, a woman. Barbosa reverses his thumb-down rating when Jack reveals the surprise HMS Dauntless ending. And on that note... We get a little holiday-themed reference to Davy Jones thanks to high-minded naval strategist Mulroy and Murtaugh when they drop the name Old Hob. Minute 107 begins with Murtaugh responding to Mulroy. Why aren't we doing what he wants? What Mr. Sparrow said we should do, with all the cannons and all. A frustrated Commodore Norrington says, because it was Mr. Sparrow who said it. The minute ends with Jack talking with Captain Barbosa. No, 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 no. By all means, kill the whelp. Just not yet. Wait to lift the curse until the op dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> in midword. So maybe it's not the most action-packed minute that we have going on with Curse of the Black Pearl, but I found some kind of these subtle character elements and kind of an interesting subtle look at how the curse actually manifests itself in the pirates, which I thought was pretty interesting. So we can just kind of kick it off if you want, or I can uh, jump in. I'm you... actually really glad that you know what those two um, soldiers are named because I had no idea what they were called. I just <laughs> I had no idea what their names were, were until this very <laughs> <Yeah>. moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you deep dive into some of this stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I know that they're named, but I just like they're very funny. I like them, and I like their um, their pirate counterparts too. 
Pintel and Rigetti. Yeah, yeah. Pintel yeah. and Rigetti. Yes. The uh, the only thing I noticed about this minute watching it that I don't think I've ever noticed watching the movie before is that the guy right behind Will that's holding him mm-hmm. looks like he totally sees what Jack is doing and just doesn't say a word. Because he's looking down at the chest. I think that was Kohler, Kohler actually, okay. yeah. He even like yeah. shifts his vision up while Jack is speaking when he's not in the frame. Interesting. So I wonder if that's yes. just, yeah, if that's just kind of, he can't take his eyes off Jack's hands, but there's, when he's doing that, or if it's just like Johnny Depp is there playing with gold coins and he can't just actually take himself away from being a <laughs> character in the movie. Because there's actually something that's pretty interesting with that. When Jack is, or actually this is the chest, we don't get the actual gold part till the next minute, do we? I think we get the actual It's the beginning of the next minute. The beginning of the next minute. Yeah. So I'll just save that part for next time then. But where I was going with Mulroy and Murtaugh is that this could be something like considered as a passing moment in the movie or maybe even the minute. But the conversation between these two and Norrington is a bit telling with regards to Jack's character. So nobody knows like quite how to take him and... A lot of people he has encountered seem to take Jack at this face value that they're, well, they trust him that they're going to, he's going to tell the truth. He's adhering to a personal code of honor. And even though they know he's a pirate for some reason that they seem to do that, even Mulroy is, or Murtaugh is actually saying, you know, that they kind of inherently trust Jack for some reason. He's a likable guy. Well, I know he's a likable guy. Yeah. So So it kind of gives you help with that trust. He also, like, talked them into doing basically whatever he wanted the first moment he saw them. Yeah, I'm, I'm just, yeah. like, it's always... They're still charmed. Yeah, I, I yeah. just think it's kind of funny, though, because, like, he does, like, charm the pants off of them, basically, like, at their first meeting. And, like, he swindles them. So it's interesting that he trusts Jack as much as he does, especially knowing, like, what he knows now. Yeah. I mean, does Jack have a reputation for trustworthiness? Well, I guess he does save Elizabeth in front of them. That's true. So Yeah. That is a good point, that he does save Elizabeth. But there have been other things that have led them astray, so they shouldn't really be trusting him. Mm-hmm. Or anybody should be trusting Jack. But they seem to just automatically. It's like his personality. Yeah, I think it's more his personality. I mean, well, the, the only one who really doesn't is Norrington, and he's kind of that pirate hunter, that experienced naval guy. Yeah. And he does see Jack as that classic kind of trickster character. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if he knows. It's it's actually like he doesn't know when he's lying and telling the truth. But he does know that he's a pirate and that's all he can be sure of. So he's just going to default to the I'm not going to trust him position. Yeah. yeah. And when Murtaugh asked if Mulroy, why aren't they implementing Jack's plan? Norrington was actually going to originally chime in with he doesn't tell the truth even when he's telling the truth. But they changed the line on that to... Mr. Sparrow said it. And so they thought it was going to be more over the top. At least that's what the writers were saying, that maybe that was too over the top. We should change it and tone it down a bit. But I think either way, it really nails Jack's character Mm -hmm. is that you can never trust what he's going to say. And he doesn't even trust what he's going to say. Or maybe he doesn't even know what the truth is anymore. It's like the truth is what it is in his own mind, maybe. Yeah. yeah, I think that the final line that he says is much more succinct and to the point, and I think it's much more in, char- in character for Norrington. Yeah. Because um, Norrington's, like, not a, a man of words. Like, 
he he's a military man, so he's just like, you know, everything to the point. And if you don't understand what I'm trying to say, that's too bad for you. Right. He's a man of action. Yeah, yeah. 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 I agree. I think that first line is too I don't know, it's too sarcastic. It's, it's, and not in the not in the way that the rest of like Norrington's Norrington's lines are. Yeah. It's very wordy. Yeah. Yeah, Norrington is definitely, he's established himself as kind of that by the book. I'm not really going to just say much more of, like you said, his actions are kind of what speak for him. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of the same thing in the beginning of the movie, what he relies on with Elizabeth. It's kind of that, I'm going to propose to you, but I'm not really into the whole lovey-dovey kind of deal with that. This is more of a an arrangement or a marriage of something that's going to work for both of us and we'll grow to love each other or something like that. This minute actually begins Jack's whole negotiations with Barbosa. And we really see the connection between the two characters. And on our show, we've talked quite a bit about how Jack and Barbosa are almost these two sides of a coin, one being dark and the other being light or kind of a semi light, uh, like a villain and antihero kind of deal. Mm hmm. Now that Barbosa believes the end of the curse is actually in sight, finally, he's starting to settle in on who he was to begin with before the curse. And so earlier when they were first on board and he was talking with Elizabeth, he said that they were compelled by greed. And after the curse, they became consumed by greed. And the curse is not even lifted yet. And I noticed this is that Jack is even able to get Barbosa to listen to his plan about becoming a pirate commodore and getting a fleet. Yeah. Right. So it's interesting that he still has that kind of greed element to it. Mm-hmm. Even though he's been cursed. I mean, your first reaction would be, how about we just get the curse done and over with? And then we can worry about setting up a pirate fleet. Because in this particular minute, we don't get all the other backstory of what's particularly happening outside the walls yet or Jack's yeah. full proposal. But yeah, he's he's really enthralled with Jack's story. And I, I just kind of find it interesting that he's willing to sacrifice or at least listen to Jack's story as opposed to getting rid of this curse as fast as possible. Well, I think that because Barbosa has mutinied once because of treasure. So I think Jack knows this and he's kind of manipulating that to his end. So I think that even though Barbosa is trying to just not fall under Jack's like spell again i think that jack is is able to to like work his magic as it were and just kind of like you know oh well i'll dangle money in front of him and he'll listen to me at least partially so that's what i'm wondering do you think then that because the curse well the curse creates this kind of all-consuming greed for barbosa and his crew so is this just part of Jack's scheme, knowing that maybe Barbosa still is consumed by greed. So even maybe Barbosa doesn't want to listen to Jack. The fact that, like you said, he's dangling kind of money in front of him. The curse mm-hmm. is forcing Barbosa to have to listen to this and, and to contemplate it. He can't help it. The curse is, that is what the curse is doing. It makes him so greedy that he has to listen to this proposition. It'd be like if you walked in there and said, hey, Barbosa, I need you to come over here. And he doesn't want to, but you just kind of wave a few coins. He's, he, it's like he's compelled to go get those coins from you. I have, I think I have a counterpoint to that, but it doesn't come up until either the end of next minute or the beginning of the next, the one after that. Okay. Oh, stay tuned then. <laughs> it has to do with things that happen a little bit later in the conversation. I, 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 have, a, I have a counterpoint yeah. to this consumed by greed thing. I think that, that Jack, like, 
there's like baseline Barbosa, and then the curse is like influencing that. So I think Jack just knows Barbosa is really greedy to begin with. I think it's, I don't even think greed is the right word. Or ambitious. He's full of pride. Yeah. He's a very proud man. Yeah. He has a big ego. Because uh, especially the way he, uh, the look on his face to a particular line mm. a little bit later on in this conversation. Well, that's kind of back to the two sides of the coin. Because Jack has a big ego as well. Yeah. That Barbosa, Jack's is more of, he wants people to know his name. That's what his big concern is or to recognize him as captain it's part of that whole ego it's not just jack sparrow it's captain jack sparrow barbosa yeah the whole uh, but you have heard of me thing. yeah yeah barbosa wants to be important he wants to have that title and that whole fleet he wants to it's not so much the greed of gold it's more of the having that title and everything under him so I wonder if that would be part of the curse sin too, though, is to be beyond just. I'm not monetary sure it's value. all the curse, though. Well, yeah. it's not I think it's all just the curse. Yeah. Barbosa's that is way. Is it heightened, though? Because why wouldn't you want to get rid of that curse as soon as possible? That's just my thing. Because like... you can't taste the apple. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has a he has a love of of fruit. Yeah. Well, I think or that, any um, pleasures. Like I think that the whole time Jack is trying to like you know, used car salesman him. I think he also has a plan going on, which we see the beginning of um, in a couple minutes. So I think that influences why he doesn't want to get rid of the curse as quick as possible, because if they're not cursed, they can't do their thing. Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. I think that Barbosa just wants to be the man in charge, and yeah. that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the curse. And he's fine with Jack as long as he is equal to or better than Jack. Mm-hmm. I think he has no problems with Jack personally. He just wants to be in charge. Yeah. Yeah. During uh, this whole speech that Jack's giving, yeah. Barbosa seems to be kind of trying to pick through it to to find the trickster or the loophole or some kind of trick that Jack's figure out what Jack's trying to do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of the look in his face and... And I think I think there's a moment in this. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's in this first part where Barbosa hears something Jack says and goes, "Well, I like your idea, but we're not doing it that way." When he talks about paddling out and getting the Dauntless, yeah. And Barbosa's got a look on his face like, "Well, I like your idea, but it's not quite right." Yeah, yeah, right. Because he's trying to hear. He wants to know what Jack's plan is, and then he's like, "Well, I have a way to get that. That's better." Yeah. I have a way to loophole myself out of this plan. Just in case it is an ambush, which it is. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You wouldn't try to screw me again, would you, Jack? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He should be expecting that after what Barbosa's done to him a couple of times on the island. Yeah. But it's interesting you mentioned kind of that loophole because what has been the running thing throughout the whole movie that we've popped in and out of a lot is this classic trickster element it's the bugs bunny characters that these two are one is this kind of semi-light character and then barbosa kind of represents the dark where they're pulling these really classic bugs bunny maneuvers on each other Mm -hmm. and and really being those tricksters and so when you have two of them interacting together 
it's like it would be like Bugs Bunny trying to talk to himself. It'd be almost kind of going in circles or trying to see what what are you really trying to tell me? Yeah. You're trying to read between those lines on that to really get to the nugget of what's going on there. Yeah. Because yeah. this isn't like a, a big theme of this movie because it has to deal with curses. Just in general for everyone is like really sour deals. Everyone in this movie mm-hmm. enters a deal that doesn't work out the way they were told. Yeah. Liter- literally every main character enters a deal that doesn't work out for them. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Elizabeth, Will, Jack, Barbosa, yeah. everybody. Norrington. Norrington. Yeah. Poor Norrington. Everybody enters a deal and it just goes south. <laughs> mm-hmm. this, this entire movie is a movie of broken promises. Oh, they're all terrible yeah. people. That's what exactly. you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> every, and the reason every deal goes sour is because none, no deal made in this movie is made with pure or innocent intentions. No, they're all pirates. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's like, that's really part of the theme here. And that's what kind of makes this conversation cool is two people trying to one each other, one up, one up each other on this deal. Yeah. It's like a verbal game of chess. And they're literally in front of cursed gold. Yeah. So Jack finishes his proposed plan to Barbosa with actually a saying that I hadn't heard of before. And so I was curious if Cassandra or Norman have heard of it. It's Robert's your uncle, Fanny's your aunt. So have you heard this phrase before? Is this something that you've come across? Anybody? <laughs> I haven't. Um, not outside this movie. No, not outside this movie. And, I mean, in context, I just assume it means everything's in its place. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of what I get out of it. It's just everything's in its place. And look, you're on top. Is it like a historical colloquialism? It's got to be. It must be. It's probably, it must be old English. Yeah, not old English. Not old English. Like like older English. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what I thought. And so I actually had to do some looking into it just because it was starting to gnaw at me. I'm like, what is he really talking about there? And it was really the only time that I've ever heard this as well was in this particular movie. And I don't even know if I ever noticed it before we started actually breaking it down minute by minute. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I've heard it and I just ignored it. But I kind of took it as the yada, yada, yada effect, which is kind of this funny... Well, we just talked about it recently. Like, they're skipping over the best part. Yeah. Send your crew out there, yada, 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 you have two ships. And this phrase is definitely not something that was commonly used in the 18th century from what I found. And I went to the source of all sources as an American to get down to the nitty-gritty of this British phrase. And simply because Google told me where to go is really what I wanted to say. <laughs> and it had a British name in there. Yeah, it was the BBC. So I figured, oh, they got to know what they're talking about. They said it was most likely attributed to a satirical swipe at this guy, A.J. Balfour, and his promotion to Chief Secretary for Ireland by his uncle, Lord Salisbury. Lord Salisbury's first name being Robert, hence a bit of nepotism for his uncle getting the job. And so then all the people started just using that as Bob's your uncle or Robert's your uncle. And that's kind of how it was shortened. And so they started using that as the phrase of you just got the job because of your uncle or your family. <laughs> Then everybody started really using the phrase, and then they started to add in the the Aunt Fanny portion, and it was really a, kind of this phrase that was already being done, and it was a statement of like pure disbelief, which works in much the same kind of sarcastic way as I don't think so or as if, and mm-hmm. so that was kind of the whole deal with that. And Johnny Depp was the one who actually came up with that particular line. So the original line that the writers had done was that the pirates were going to go chop, 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 stab, 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 voila, there you are with two ships. And because he didn't like it, he went to the writers and the writers were like, well, as long as you keep some of the rhythm of the dialogue or make sure you keep that rhythm of the dialogue, 
and that it's fun to listen to, we'll go ahead and do that. And yeah. so Johnny Depp came up with Robert's your uncle, Fanny's your hand. Hmm. And that was it. Well, that's interesting. So now we all know. Now we're all schooled in uh, <laughs> British phrases. And so when we go oh. to the UK now, we can just all go ahead and drop that. That's interesting. <laughs> that's an interesting history of that phrase because that makes me feel like what he's trying to like what he's trying to convey is almost a dig at Barbosa. Like you get this because of me, not because of your own work. Mm. Yeah, that really yeah. is when you look at it that way. And I think that's what Jack is always looking for anyways. I mean, he's trying to one up Barbosa as well and get his ship back. Right. So he's trying to show that, yeah, okay, you know, make me the captain. Oh, well, that's kind of later, but it's the whole idea that he wants to be captain of the black pearl again. Yeah. Like in context, it really does sound like the whole, a place for everything, everything in its yeah, place like kind of statement. Bing, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> like, you know, you get one ship, I get the other. Everyone's happy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah, knowing the 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 kind of history behind that phrase, it it does. It's got to be a dig at Barbosa. That being said, that original line is awful, and I don't blame him for changing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. It does yeah, sound kind did. of Jack Sparrow, though. No, I, I, I disagree. Because he says things kind of like that yeah, in other places in these movies. I guess so. Not. I think it's more the one. rhythm of it. The rhythm of the of him saying that I think yeah. would fall in line to what Jack says, but maybe not so much the words. It would yeah. be you could because you could see his personality, the way his mannerisms and stuff, being able to say that. But I don't mm-hmm. know if it would be something exactly like he would say. Interesting. Maybe he'd say something more like choppy, choppy and stabby, stabby or something like that. <laughs> I just don't think of it as a Jack line because that sounds like something I would say. <laughs> so, like, so that's your measurement then for, for Jack Sparrow like, lines. If, you know, like stab, stab, stab. Like, <laughs> they their steel, chop, chop, stab, stab, yeah. voila. Yes. <laughs> In general, with the the three minutes that we're covering, I'm very annoyed with the way the minutes fall because, like, they fall in between some, like, really iconic lines. And I just want to finish (laughs) when we're watching them. Yeah, this one's – this is the – the first minute is the worst cutoff because it's literally in the middle of a word. The second one is in the middle of a phrase, but he finishes a word. Yeah, but it's like, ah, I want the rest of – okay. And I mean, the dramatic (laughs) pause in the line anyway. Yeah. Just we get a really long one. I just want to watch this whole movie again. That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one thing that I haven't gotten tired of is actually watching it. And I thought maybe when we first started this process that I would kind of get tired of watching it. Mm-hmm. And I haven't yet. And I don't know. I think maybe it's like I'm more drawn to it now. Yeah. Good for you. It, it's really bizarre. And I don't know why that is. But I'm sure after we finish, I'll be like, I'm not ever going to see that movie again, at least for 10 years. Well, I find that just doing this in general, I have a deeper appreciation for everything that like you know comes together, like all the minutes that make up a movie and the movie as a whole. Because you see how much each decision affects each thing mm-hmm. around it yeah. like more clearly when you're watching it one minute at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the has really brought me to respect kind of the screenwriters. I thought, okay, they're just throwing maybe something together. They have an idea. But when you break it down like this, it is so intertwined. There's so much that goes in just with the decisions of changing the line and how much they actually have to go back to the writers. Like, Hey, is this okay if we change this or, mm-hmm. and then this particular movie, the writers on the set 
during the filming. So they could redo rewrites and, and change things as needed. And I just really have come to appreciate the whole creative process behind it and mm-hmm. how all of that plays into it. it I think it's uh this is like a, a film course doing something <laughs> like this. <laughs> That's all I have. Then probably before we head out for this minute, you got to let us know where everyone can find you. Oh, yeah. You can find us, uh, go to lordoftheringsminute.com or duelinggenre.com. Um, it'll take you to the same place. And uh, we're on there. We're on Twitter at L-O-T-R Minute. Great. And will you be able to swing by again tomorrow? Um, unless I get kidnapped by pirates, I think I should be. <laughs> it is a high possibility, but... Because <laughs> we can't promise anything here, but it is possible. <laughs> I think we'll have a go. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) In that case, we'll be back tomorrow with Minute 108 of The Curse of the Black Pearl on the Pirates of the Caribbean Minute. Until then, let's keep the horn swoggling to a minimum. What's that, Banjo? Heather's been drinking at the Faithful Bride Tavern? Take me to her, buddy. Blimey. Passed out in the mud with the pigs? Again? This sty is your second home. Heather, wake up. The show's done and you're supposed to tell everyone where they can find us, where the after party is, and how their voicemail may be featured on the show. Banjo, get me a bucket. Hey, Scallywags, while Banjo's getting some water to wake up Heather, it's time I say thanks for listening. If you like the show, give us a review on iTunes. It helps us out and we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlminute.com. And don't forget to join the post-episode brawls on Facebook and Twitter. If you're interested in our best-of clips, you can find us on SoundCloud. All the links are at blackpearlminute.com. It's that easy.